Greetings, salutations, and happy Monday, if any Monday can truly be considered happy. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Uh, this is Blue Swim, and it has been a couple of weeks since the last podcast. Um, let's see, I want to say it was like the first week of June, like June 6th or something like that. Uh, but since then, it has been nothing but live reactions to just about every video game uh, showcase event uh, of the last several weeks. I uh, missed a couple here and there, uh, Square Enix, which I'm going to touch on. But um, yeah, so uh, I guess the show's getting back to its regularly uh, scheduled format. <laughs> um. Yeah, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Just checking over my outline one more time. Uh, da, 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 da. We are just about ready to roll. Uh, okay. Well, I have already gotten my uh, tweeting and sharing and stuff like that out of the way. So it's about time to start the uh, show itself. Might be a bit of a long one since I have a few weeks of noteworthy stuff on here. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. June 27th, that is today. Okay, I want to make sure I get get the date right because there have been some times when I've fucked the date up. <laughs> of course. Alright, episode 18 of FOMO's a Mofo. Here we go! June 27th, 2022, this is FOMO's a Mofo, a video game collecting podcast. Coming up on today's episode, the sequel to Final Fantasy VII Remake is revealed. A classic PSP title is announced for modern consoles. And is a decades-old Sonic rumor finally confirmed? Welcome to FOMO's Mofo, episode 18. I am your host, Blue Swim, and we are live on Spreaker.com and on Spreaker's podcast player app, as well as streaming digitally after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, and GeoSavan. Still don't know if I'm pronouncing that one right. Knowing me, I'm fucking it up. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since the uh, last uh, official episode of the podcast. It's been uh, a few weeks of live streams, live reaction streams to uh, various video game events, so I hope you enjoyed those for a change and had a good laugh here and there. Uh, but we are pretty much back to the regular schedule. Uh, save for maybe tomorrow, Nintendo will uh, be doing a Nintendo Direct Mini, but I'll get into that in uh, just a minute. Um, well, yeah, let's see. We got a few weeks of uh, noteworthy stuff to kind of catch up on. Uh, I just put the... Uh, the biggest things that I didn't touch on on any of the other uh, streams on here. Uh, I did not do a live reaction for uh, the Square Enix event, and you'll uh, hear one or two things about that. Um, let's see, what else? And also in new releases, it's basically an avalanche 
<laughs> an avalanche of uh, new releases. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Including one that um, apparently something's going on with uh, Amazon with it. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll get into that. Which is a disappointment because I actually pre-ordered it myself. Um, and then in pickups and impressions, I... Uh, I had a like a mountain of like one dollar thrift store pickups, but not too many were very interesting. So I just basically kept it to uh, the most noteworthy things of the last few weeks because it's been like what about three weeks, three weeks or so since the last episode. So I've picked up a few things of note, and um, once that is done with the pickups, uh, then that will be a show. So. Um, Okay, I'm going to try something a little bit different with my uh, pre-roll. Is that what they call it? The pre-roll ads? Okay, so uh, we'll get rolling with collecting news after the break. And for those of you listening live, you don't have to hear the break. <laughs> oh, the benefits of listening live. I'm, I'm trying to get this kind of nailed down a bit. I, I don't want to just, like, you know, thwomp everybody with ads the entire time. But trying to offset the uh, the monthly fees is... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it has not happened yet. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make them as, uh, inoffensive as possible. Okay, let's get rolling with the, uh, newsy thingy. Not the actual newsy, the, uh, media service, a anyways. Let's start with collecting news. And the first thing up to talk about is... I, and, and I try to avoid rumors, but here's another rumor, leak, highly speculative type thing that is uh, worth talking about. And uh, Jeff Grubb, who I think works for Giant Bomb? I could be wrong about that. Uh, said that uh, Metroid Prime Remaster or a remaster of Metroid Prime, however you wish to word that, is apparently planned for this November on Switch. Let me tell you. I'm trying to, like, taper my expectations with this, because we've been hearing rumors of the Metroid Prime trilogy coming to Switch for, what, about two years now? Two or three years? And every time a rumor comes out, it's like, oh, hey, guess what? It's really happening this time. It's coming this holiday season. And yeah, this would probably be the third time that this rumor has popped up with that uh, similar kind of release window, that end of the year, big holiday title type thing. But um, apparently also of note is that um, according to Jeff Grubb, the rumor is that Prime 2 and 3 will follow apparently after the, uh, the first one comes out. So it's not going to be the Metroid Prime trilogy per se, if this rumor really does indeed pan out. Um, but uh, at the very least, you know, Metroid Prime is a noteworthy franchise, and I mean, they are good games. I, I don't know how much I'm chomping at the bit to revisit the first one. I played it, I guess I played it on the Wii several years ago. I know I have it on the GameCube, but I didn't finish it on the GameCube, I don't believe. I think I finished it on the Wii. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'm, you know, chomping at the bit 
to revisit Metroid Prime, but um, if the remaster is good, if they do more than just, you know, simply, you know, just give it the uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars treatment, then, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested in it. But, you know, I'm just not... I, I, there needs to be something more to the experience than, um, oh, it's just up and better textures, you know? Need a little bit more than that. But nonetheless, uh, we'll have to wait on that one a bit. I don't think we're going to hear about it tomorrow because, segue, uh, there is going to be a Nintendo Direct Mini tomorrow at uh, bright and early 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific time. Who the fuck thinks this is a good idea? Honestly, change the a.m. to a p.m. People will be interested. What the hell are they going to watch? Monday Night Raw? Hell, I know I'm looking for any excuse not to. <laughs> but anyways, tomorrow's Nintendo Direct will be a mini, and it will be a partner showcase, which basically features all sorts of third-party games. Um, and this one is going to run a whopping 25 minutes, so there's going to be plenty of time for them to show off a lot of stuff that will be coming out. Hopefully starting tomorrow and uh you know never know how long it will last maybe uh through the end of the year or at the very least you know now through maybe fall um uh there's the possibility since um uh since it's developed by platinum games that we could get a release date for bayonetta 3 last i heard the uh release window was simply 2022 so it could happen. Um, aside from that, I don't really know what to expect. You know, that's the fun part with these things. You never know what they're going to throw at you. Uh, there's been the uh, the rumor that Persona will finally be uh, hitting the uh, Switch, like one of the Persona games proper. Because I remember last, uh, well, I guess it wasn't last year, it was earlier this year, uh, there was a... Um, an announcement for Persona for Arena Ultimax coming to the Switch, and which it did uh, digitally, at least in the U.S. And apparently, when the website for it went live, it was referencing some sort of a physical two-pack with not just Persona for Arena Ultimax, but Persona for Golden. I believe it was a Switch port of Persona for Golden, which fantastic fucking game. Let me tell you. Oh boy, one of the best JRPGs I've ever played in my life. Ah. Good stuff, good stuff, let me tell you. So yeah, uh, set your alarms, get up bright and early tomorrow. Uh, I have no idea if I'm going to live stream my reactions to it or not. Uh, <laughs> that is kind of early, dude. <sighs> Especially when you uh, were dealing with a migraine a few days ago. Yeah, it, it takes a few days to get over those things. But, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, again, don't know what else to expect. Nothing's off the table, I'd say. So, should be something worth checking out, at the very least. Now, there was another Nintendo Direct, of sorts, a few days ago. That being the one for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, which comes out almost a month to the day, if I remember correctly. I think it's... Uh, the 
26th, 27th of July. And it was originally supposed to be in September, but they actually bumped it up. And Splatoon 3 is going to be in September. So it's like they played Switcheroo with the releases or something like that. Um, but in that Nintendo Direct, we got news on the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 expansion pass, which will deliver new content between the game's release and the end of December in 2023. And what is included with this expansion pass includes, at launch, uh, some helpful items and outfit color variants, which, hey, who doesn't love, you know, costume color variants? And let's see, next up is a challenge battle, a, a new hero character and quests, and new outfits. Gotta love that stuff. And that will be out sometime between launch and the end of December of this year. Uh, next up is another challenge battle of some, uh, it must be some sort of like a special scenario or something like that. A uh, new challenge battle with, again, new hero character and quests and new outfits. And this one will be releasing between, I'm assuming, December 31st, 2022 and April 30th of 2023. So somewhere in that window, usually it's, you know, pretty close to that, uh, that bullseye, that uh, April 30th uh, date. And then the last piece of content, which is the meatiest of the bunch, is there's going to be a brand new story scenario, and that one will be releasing between uh, before the end of the year next year. So, I mean, it sounds, you know, pretty beefy. Um, not bad, I'd say. We, I, I'd love to know more about the uh, brand new story scenario before I you know, decide to pick up the pass. But if you want to get it day and date at launch, it will run you twenty nine ninety nine. dollars um, Not bad, but I've noticed those expansion passes keep going up and up and up. Uh, I think uh, Breath of the Wilds was $20, then, like, the Smash Brothers ones were, like, 25 and 30 and this one is 30 Uh Pirate Emblem Warriors, the first one, was 25 Five, want to say something like that, but um, or maybe it's twenty. Might have been twenty. Anyways, uh, yeah, those uh, expansion passes keep going up and up in price. But uh, then again, if it is like a Torn of the Golden Country, which was basically its own, you know, short game uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, twenty nine bucks is not bad for that. Now. Moving on, we are not done with JRPGs. We have the reveal of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, a.k.a. Uh, Remake 2. And this was announced during the Square Enix showcase, and they showed off a short trailer, which looked very, very good. And, of course, they give you bits and pieces of story through, you know, just random one-liners here and there, but it's not usually enough to really pick up on it. You know, at least in detail, and of course, I mean, it's Final Fantasy VII, so you pretty much know where it's going to go if you've played the original. Which I need to get back to, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, the trailer closed with Next Winter, um, which I'm I'm, tr I'm torn on this, because I don't know if they mean this winter or next winter. Like, 2022 winter or 2023 winter? I think it's 2023. Don't hold me to it. And the reason why I think it's 2023 will uh, come in the next story. But um, 
Basically, it closed with the PS5 logo. No PS4 version this time around. They have officially moved on to the next generation with Final Fantasy VII Remake. But one thing that's going to be on current-gen consoles, and this is the uh, next story I was hinting at, is going to be Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. And this is basically a remake, remaster, I guess you'd say, something like that, of the PSP game, uh, Crisis Core. And um, apparently it is going to uh, feature updated 3D models, full voiceovers, and new music arrangements. And here's the fun part. It comes out this winter, so 2022 winter. So that's why I'm why I'm thinking that uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, Rebirth that's going to be uh, 2023 winter since they said next winter in one and this winter in another. So yeah, I, I think that's pretty much how it works. At least I'm hoping, or I'm I, I'm not sure if I'd say I'm hoping for it, but I'm hoping my understanding of it is correct. How about that? Uh, but this is going to launch on uh, PS4 and PS5, the Switch. Xbox One, Series X and S, and Steam. So Switch is getting some sort of Final Fantasy VII goodness, at least. You know? I mean, who's ready for the cloud version of Final Fantasy VII Remake on Switch? That's a joke. I don't want that. Dedicated port, or don't waste my fucking time. I'm looking at you, Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, one game that you can uh, stop holding your breath for, in spite of the fact that it got a Switch port after the uh, launch of the main game, unfortunately is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 Plus 4 Remastered. Unfortunately, confirmed by Tony Hawk himself, apparently the uh, follow-up to the immensely popular and really really good i must say even on switch it's really good on switch uh tony hawk's pro skater one and two uh apparently uh this sequel uh did not get out of the uh starting gate uh and that is because apparently vicarious visions was apparently absorbed into activision blizzard um i I seem to remember hearing something about that but apparently because of them doing that uh basically the team that worked on the game is you know, off doing other things, and they really couldn't find anybody that was uh, qualified enough to handle it. And the pitches that they got, they were not happy with, apparently. So, yeah, the dream is dead, dude. I hope you enjoy Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2, because that's apparently pretty much it. And that sucks, because, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Tony Hawk 1 and 2, great games. I've enjoyed playing them on the Switch. Uh, I enjoyed playing them on the uh, PS2 and PS1, and uh, there was an Xbox, original Xbox version of Tony Hawk 2. Um, can't remember what the name of it was. Damn, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater X2? Or 2X or something like that? Um, I mean, those are those are great games and all, but for me, the Tony Hawk franchise really, really peaked for me with Tony Hawk 3. I just loved it loved loved that game i loved the soundtrack in it i loved the stages i just i spent so many hours playing that it's like that's the one i really connected with and that's probably because it was like one of the first 
GameCube titles I had. I think the first four GameCube games I had were uh, Wave Race Blue Storm, uh, Star Wars uh, Rogue Squadron 2, which was basically the game I bought the system for, uh, Luigi's Mansion, and then Tony Hawk. It's like I specifically remember those four games being the first games I played on, on, the, uh, on the GameCube. Isn't it funny how you have specific memories of these things? But, um, I mean, that was a real heartbreaker, a real gut punch to hear that that was not going to be a thing. Because I, it's like after the, you know, the first, uh, the first one, you know, the one, two, or one plus two, it's like, it's like all I could do is think about, okay, this is fantastic, but I can't wait to get to three. And, uh, yeah, that dream is dead, dude. And it sucks. Well, another thing that sucks is uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 has uh, recently been uh, experiencing some issues with crashes. And so much so that uh, it's apparently rendered the game unplayable. Is it really that difficult for part of the certification process to be actually finishing the game? I mean... You know, you should be able to get from the beginning of the game to the end of the game without it crashing. Somebody somewhere making this game, putting this game out, has to play through it at some point. Or at the very least hit this bug and be like, hey, wait a minute, we got a problem. And they and no, no, this did not get get picked up at some point? And apparently there are multiple... Uh, scenarios where the game will just flat out crash and because of it it's like you have to use some sort of a workaround or a cheat in the game in order to advance past it um and even at that it's like kind of hit or miss with it sometimes i think but it's like you know this this should not be happening you know i mean the game cannot be finished without resorting to cheats that that's unacceptable. I know. Um, I want to say it was Game Explain because I was watching a video on this earlier today. I want to say Game Explain has actually withheld their review until they can get this patch fixed or or get the uh, get the patched version, which I'm assuming Aspire is working on. I hope they are. They better be. Um. But um, I reached out to Limited Run Games because they're going to have a physical, uh, physical version of that in um, in just a few weeks, few months, something like that. I don't know when exactly the pre-orders open, but I reached out to um, to Limited Run, and I'm trying to bring up the tweet right now. I forgot to put it in my outline. Uh, give me a minute. Compelling radio. Compelling radio. Uh, if it's too buried, I'm just going to say fuck it. Well, um, okay. Okay, I didn't find it quick enough, so... To hell with it, I'll just paraphrase it. But essentially, I reached out to Limited Run Games and I asked them, okay, so you guys are doing the physical version of this. 
is this issue going to be in the physical version of it? Because if it's a broken game, what's the point of buying it physically? I mean, that's just going to torpedo the sales on it. Um, and they basically said, um, I can't, I, I want to say it was limited run Josh. I could be wrong. Uh, said uh, basically that when they manufacture the game, you know, they use the latest version of the uh, of the game available. And because the game hasn't been sold yet, you know, in this case, uh, KOTOR 2 hasn't been sold yet or gone to manufacturing, uh, basically, yeah, there's still the hope that the physical version is not going to have this glitch. So that's good. Hopefully. Come on, Aspire. Get it done. But um, that sucks because, you know, those Knights of the Old Republic games, I mean, they're fantastic. As long as they work. And apparently that's a uh, big question mark. Well, something else that has been a question mark for quite some time has been a long-standing rumor that Michael Jackson actually composed the music, or at the very least some music, for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. And some tweets from Sonic's creator, Yuji Naka, seem to indicate that the long-standing rumor is, in fact, correct. And uh, basically, he said this, and I'll, I'll read several of the tweets for you so you can uh, understand exactly where he's coming from with this, because he was using a translator. So um, uh, he said, basically, he asked first, uh, does Sonic Origins Sonic 3 have a different song? And then he said, the next tweet was, Oh my god, the music for Sonic 3 has changed, even though Sega Official uses Michael Jackson's music. And it's like, okay, with that, there's the confirmation. And then he posted another tweet that says, Sega Official uses Michael Jackson's music, means this. And I guess he retweeted uh, a TikTok video that uh, was posted, I guess, on Sega's channel of uh, Sonic's 31st birthday or something like that. Welcome to your 30s, Mr. Hedgehog. And uh, the last tweet in the uh, in the string that I saw was, I feel like I'm being misunderstood a lot. Probably because I don't speak English and I'm using a translation tool. Sorry. So, I mean, I unless there's like some sort of, you know, a glaring mistranslation with this, or the meaning is just getting completely messed up in the, uh, in the uh, automated or you know, generated translations. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, if it's, if it stands as it is, then, um, yeah, apparently Michael Jackson really did work on it. And if, uh, these translations are messed up, then, uh, maybe it's just, uh, well, a mistake, but I don't think it, I don't think it's a mistake though. I, I don't, I mean, I know it, he's, uh, He's apologizing for using the translation, but or not coming out right. But um, I mean, I, I think that's uh, pretty clear. I mean, I, I don't know how the translation would mess it up that badly to not to kind of make the entire world think Michael Jackson's music yeah <laughs> um, uh, is a part of Sonic Three. I mean, it's like I, I think it's it's legit. I, th I think it really is legit. I think, you know, translation errors or not, I think that uh, 
that's exactly as it as it appears to be. Which is something that's been, you know, rumored, like I said, for decades. Um, I want to say it was around that time that some of the scandals in the 90s started to hit with, like, the Neverland Ranch and stuff like that. Um, so that's what kind of kept Michael Jackson's uh, name away from Sonic the Hedgehog 3. It was either that or or some sort of a rumor that Michael Jackson wasn't happy with the sound processor of the Genesis and didn't necessarily want his name on it. I don't know if that sounds right or not. It's been a long time since I've heard anything on this rumor. But, um... Uh, apparently... I mean, I'm I'm going to take it at face value and... And say that, yeah, it's... I think that's exactly what happened with this. Michael Jackson really did work on some of the music for Sonic 3. And that's why the music is changed. Apparently there's some sort of a dispute, apparently, allegedly, between Sega and the estate of Michael Jackson regarding the tracks. So they just swapped out the uh, the music just to uh, avoid any problems with it. But um, it's a shame, but it is what it is, I guess. Now, uh, moving on, we have news on Overwatch 2. And if you play Overwatch 1, you uh, might want to brace for impact on this. So, if I'm understanding this correctly, Overwatch 2 is apparently going to be a massive update for Overwatch 1 that will render Overwatch 1 unplayable. So basically, Overwatch 1 is actually going to evolve into Overwatch 2 through an update. I guess that's how it is. Um, it's a weird way of doing it if it's really going to render everything about Overwatch 1 unplayable. I mean, it's neat to get upgraded to the next game, but, you know... If it's going to uh, change things up too much and you're not going to be able to get the same Overwatch 1 experience anymore, I don't know how I feel about that one. But, um, yeah, uh, we're going to have to wait and see about that one because it's still a few months off, I believe. I want to say that comes out in the fall. Could be wrong. Uh, I swear, some of these things I just... I hear bits and pieces of it, and like some things stick, and some things like, "Oh, that sounds about right," <laughs> and usually it is pretty much about right. But um, yeah, that's a that's a weird way of doing it. I'm not exactly a fan of replacing the old one with the new one if it basically changes things up too much, or lacks some of the features, or just messes it up <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So apparently, uh, yeah, they're going to sunset Overwatch 1 into uh, Overwatch 2. Well, we'll see what happens with it. Now, moving on, we have news on the release date for No Man's Sky on Switch and PS5. And, well, I should clarify, this is the physical release on PS5 and the physical release on Switch. And they will be hitting on October 7th. And what makes this rather interesting is the fact that um, apparently the Switch version is going to launch as a single-player experience. So it's not going to have any multiplayer elements. Um, 
I, I mean, I personally, I, I've only, I've only played No Man's Sky offline, single player or whatever. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me or doesn't necessarily hurt my feelings. Uh, but I do know there's people out there that do play co-op on it. No Man's Sky has been a really good game for that. Um, so, you know, I mean, at the very least, if that's the kind of compromise it took to get it on the Switch, I mean, I, I mean, that you hate to see the multiplayer go, even if, you know, like in my case, I don't use it. But, um, you know, if it gets it on the Switch and running at a decent clip, uh, I, I guess that's a decent trade-off. You know, because, uh, I mean, the Switch is nowhere near as powerful as the PS4. But apparently, if, from what I saw in the comments when the story uh, came out, apparently there's the potential for it to run a little bit better on Switch because of the NVIDIA processor of the Switch. Like, I want to say it was, was it G... I'm, I'm trying to remember. It's, I think GeForce... Processors were having problems with No Man's Sky, but NVIDIA chips were actually running it pretty well, or is pretty well optimized for it. So that could be one of the reasons why the uh, that version of No Man's uh, Sky, the Switch version, uh, is actually going to run reasonably well, in spite of the fact that it uh, was on a PS4 and, you know, it still had some issues with stuttering and whatnot. But, um... The PS5 uh, physical version is um, basically the disc version of the, uh, I guess, the free up, the what do you call it, the free update or the uh, uh, cross-gen, you know, PS5 upgraded version or whatever. Uh, basically the same version that you get when you stick your PS4 disc in the PS5. So if you already have the game on PS4, uh you don't necessarily need to grab it physically unless uh, unless you really, really want to have it physically on PS5. So, there you go. But uh, I think that's uh, going to be about 60 bucks on Switch. And I don't know about PS5. I've, I've, I assume it's about the same. Maybe uh, 40, to, 40 to 50 if it's any less. Um, but, you know, that... That just seems like the kind of game that's really going to do well on Switch. You know, I mean, they've supported that game just far better than just about anything I can possibly think of. And I wonder how the hell they can keep affording to do that. I mean, is it just selling that well continuously? I mean, if so, fantastic. I mean, it's a fun game. I've spent plenty of hours with it. It's kind of one of those things that I dreamt about as a kid. You know? But, um... And I want to say that that uh, physical release is going to have like all the latest patches in there. I guess say for the multiplayer content uh, when it does hit the Switch. So that's good. Well, moving on, we have uh, news on pre-orders for several limited run titles over at Best Buy for a change. So if uh, you don't like the way uh, Limited Run does their things on their website, uh, you can pre-order these through Best Buy. And it includes the ever-popular Castlevania Anniversary Collection, which is going to be $35 or $34.99 if you want to be exact. And if you aren't exact, somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's not right, it's only $34.99. And it's like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever, shut up. 
<laughs> and um, another game that uh, is also going to be uh, uh, coming to Best Buy is Ruby Grim Eclipse. And this is actually on sale for like seven bucks, I want to say right now, digitally. And it's like, ooh, that's a difference, dude. That's a difference. And apparently it's, you know, from what I've heard, it's kind of average as far as as far as the game goes. So it might be one of those things where if you buy it digitally and you like it and you want to get a physical copy, uh, maybe now's the time to do that. Um... I don't know. I'm 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 torn on it because you know this one's going to be forty bucks as opposed to the uh, thirty-five of the anniversary collection. And when a game is kind of um, mixed like that, where the reviews for it are kind of mixed to uh, lackluster, it's a little bit harder to uh, pry that wallet open, you know. But nonetheless, if you miss the uh, pre-order windows for either of those games for whatever reason. This is probably going to be about your last opportunity besides eBay to get these games physically. So, make the most of it while you have the opportunity. And now, moving on to Limited Run Games themselves. Uh, Tomorrow, they are going to be opening up, I guess, I'm not sure if it's pre-orders or if it's just like a limited... Like, we found a box of copies of this thing in our warehouse type things or what. But they have unearthed, or they're reprinting, who knows what, um, Senron Kagura Deep Crimson, or Senron Kagura 2 Deep Crimson on the 3DS. And uh, like I said, this is the, um, I guess because of the two, it's the second Senron Kagura game to come over to the States. And the first one, I think, was digital only here in America. And... It basically ended up getting remade as Burst Renewal, or at the very least, the story ended up getting retold through uh, Burst Renewal on the PS4 a couple of years ago, which suffered from some censorship issues, but was actually really good, aside from that. But um, I did not see how much this is going to cost, but if you do get it, it has the, uh, the game in a physical case, as usual, because it is limited run. And uh, it's also going to include the <laughs> Double D edition. And you have uh, two soundtrack CDs that are included along with it. And uh, the way they did the artwork with, like, the holes in the middle of the CDs in the background, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a shocker. They found a way to uh, stick a pair of tits in this. <laughs> uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, if you uh, missed out on that physical... Uh, release for uh, Senran Kagura, then you have eh, one more opportunity to get your hands on it. And uh, that probably means it's going to sell out before uh, you even get the opportunity to click Add to Cart. I'm still mad about River City Girls. Damn it. (laughs) Oh, well. Anyways, uh, and there is one more... uh, collecting news thing of note and it is also a limited run game thing there is going to be a dual pack for Raiden 4 which was really expensive actually uh, wait, actually excuse me I'm thinking of Raiden 5 director's cut which is also included with this 
Uh, but this is going to include uh, Raiden 4 Cross Mikado Remix and uh, Raiden 5 Director's Cut. All in one game for 50 bucks. And the pre-orders are open now, I believe. I believe this is a distribution title, so there might be a way to get it on like Amazon or something like that. Um, but yeah, if you missed out on Raiden 5, which I think that's the one I was thinking of that like, got really expensive, um, then you have a, a decently priced option of getting your hands on that, as well as Raiden 4X Mikado Remix, which is also a really good shmup. And that will do it for Collecting News. Back in a moment with new releases. Okay. So about 46 minutes in on my stream for that. I'm making notes for when I go back and edit. Okay, here's where I need to uh, split things up for a break. All right. Man, oh man, there's still a lot to go. <laughs> Whew. I should probably plug the show a little bit one more time. But, um... Yeah, I always hate it when I, um... Uh, when I miss a couple of weeks for whatever reason. Because it's just... There's just so much stuff to catch up on, and I always hate... You know, just cutting things, you know, from the outline. It's like one of those things I try like hell to avoid doing. Alrighty. Alright, just about done. Okay, there's that. Then retweet that. <laughs> okay. I guess we are pretty much about set. Well, we are going to catch up on quite a few of the uh, recent releases. Uh, and man, there's like an avalanche of them. So we're going we're going back to like Mario Strikers and everything. Okay. <coughs> Say the line, Bart. Let's talk new releases. And we are catching up on a couple of weeks worth of releases because the uh, last episode was I believe at the beginning of June, I think June 6th, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh since then we have seen the release of the latest Mario's sports franchise, or uh, sports game, rather. That being Mario Strikers Battle League. And this is the uh, zany, over-the-top adaptation of soccer, or football, or football, or 
however you properly want to call it. And uh, the reviews for this have been uh, pretty solid. Um, they say it's a better multiplayer game than uh, single player. Apparently, it's pretty light on the uh, on the one P content, if you will. Um, but generally speaking, the gameplay looks pretty good. Um, there's rumors that there's going to be a couple of waves of new characters added through DLC. Uh, so that's good. And um, uh, that one will run you fifty nine ninety nine. And as you can obviously tell with the name Mario, uh, that one is a Switch exclusive. Not to be confused with this next release, which is basically hit pretty much every console you can possibly think of. That being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which basically everybody has been collectively losing their shit over it. <laughs> everybody has been saying that this is really, really good, and I want to say it is $25 digitally, and there's going to be a physical release through Limited Run, and as a matter of fact, we talked about it on the uh, LRG3 stream when they announced it. Uh, but one of the uh, big deals with the physical release is that it's going to include a coupon for a free personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut. Hot fucking damn, dude. I mean, how nostalgic can you get for this game? I mean, <laughs> it's a modern game. But it's like hitting all the right notes at the same time. You know, this is the uh, latest beat 'em up brawler in this in the vein of the uh, uh, eighty nine and ninety one arcade games. And um, yeah, I mean these things just look absolutely just phenomenal. And from all accounts, they are they the game absolutely lived up to the hype. So, uh, yeah, that physical release is, uh, I, I want to say that's going to come out at the end of August, or they just haven't bullseyed the release date yet. Uh, but that is coming through Limited Run Games, and if you get it at Best Buy or Walmart or wherever you, wherever you find the physical version, uh, apparently it will indeed come with a coupon for a free personal pan pizza, which is so fucking cool. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well... Uh, we talked about the uh, announcement of Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, or Rebirth? I guess that's the second one. Um, and uh, one other thing that was announced during that Final Fantasy VII-themed stream was that Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, Intergrade... Intergrade? What the hell does that even mean? Anyways, uh, has hit Steam. Or, well, it was going to hit Steam at the time of the stream, but it is out on Steam now. And best part is, it is Steam Deck Verified. So, uh, yeah, I mean, let me tell you, dude. That Steam Deck, everything I see about it, it's like one of those things where I, I, I'm thrilled about everything it does. I just don't know that, you know, it's necessarily for me. I mean, it's, it just seems like an amazing piece of hardware. And, you know, apparently uh, some people are getting getting a Final Fantasy VII Remake to run at 60 frames per second on it. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. It gives me hope to uh, see what this thing can do and uh, 
think about what could be next for the Switch. Seriously, a Switch 2 that can do uh, PS4 caliber games at 60 frames per second? That's literally all Nintendo needs to do to make that thing work. Oh, uh, that and fix the fucking Joy-Con drift. Shit, I'm having problems with my uh, Switch OLED Joy-Cons now. Uh, I, I swear, drift has actually hit almost every controller I've ha- I have for that system. It's not fake news, let me tell you. That Joy-Con drift, it's real and it is some shit. Uh, but uh, if you want to get Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake Integrate on Steam, I believe it's on like a launch discount. I, I think it's still going on. I want to say it's about 50 bucks, And if you miss out on that, it will be around 70 I want to say. I, I think that falls in line with the uh, launch price of the PS5 version, if I remember correctly. So it's a little bit pricey. So uh, if you're interested, maybe... Uh, Buy it sooner rather than later. Now, next up is a uh, a horror game, I guess you'd say, called uh, The Quarry. Or it's like an interactive drama of so- sorts or something like that. And this has hit the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X and S, as well as Windows. And it's been pretty popular with streamers. From what I've seen, a lot of people have been uh, having a lot of fun with that one, even though it's uh, a little bit on the uh, brutal, bloody, slasher flick, violent side. <laughs> but, um, yeah, from from what I've heard, you know, generally speaking, the impressions are largely favorable. Seems like it's been, like I said, really popular on streams, so and that's usually a good sign. Uh, now, moving up to something a little bit more recent. That being Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. And let me tell you, you know, um, I talked about it on the last stream I did that I had played the demo of it. And that is a meaty demo, let me tell you. Uh, I want to say it, I mean, I want to say I spent about seven or eight hours with it before I finally reached the end of my uh, my playthrough. Because it cuts off, like, right at Chapter 4, where, right before this uh, epic battle. Um, of course, I'm playing the Black Eagles, so it's, um, it's, like, right before a certain pivotal battle. And it's just like, oh, of course you uh, stop the demo right, right then, right when it's about to get good. But, um... You know, I loved the original Fire Emblem Warriors. It's actually one of my favorite Musou games of all time, one of my favorite Switch titles. I've spent God knows how many hours with it. I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 hours with it, maybe a little bit more. And I just, I love that thing. So when this got announced, um, I wasn't as thrilled that it was just going to be three houses. I was hoping it was going to be kind of like, you know, expanding on everything they did with the first game, you know, um, maybe bring in like, what's it like the Radiant Dawn era characters, get Roy in there as well and stuff like that. But, um, but that being said, you know, just having a new uh, Fire Emblem Warriors game was enough to get me excited. And from what I've played of it, uh, this is basically the best way to describe it. 
It is the Fire Emblem Warriors equivalent of Age of Calamity in that it is so in line and gels so well with the main game that it's spinning off from, you know, like with Breath of the Wild, um, that it just, I mean, it feels like a perfect Warriors-themed companion to Three Houses. And, of course, you know, this one does do the uh, three different chapters or three different um, uh, ways the story can go. And I'm just, I'm not a fan of that approach to it, especially with, you know, something like a Warriors game or a Musou game. You know, I just love having everything just, you know, kind of, you know, bundled up into one cohesive story and then just, you know, just go crazy with the extra content, the, you know, the post-game content, the challenge missions, the uh, extra stages and whatever, because it's like with Hyrule Warriors, the first one, it's like they went nuts with the extra content on there. There was like a like a recreation of the Zelda mini map and each each square or each section of the map had like some sort of a different challenge and then there were like nine different challenge uh challenge boards or whatever um i mean it was nuts and i was hoping that they were going to do that with this one as well but unless something unlocks after you beat the game i don't know that it's going to be that same way um you know, but, uh, you know, basically you're going to end up going through the game three separate times with three different, uh, with the three different houses and getting a different story or a different perspective on the story each time. So it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where it goes later on in the game. But, um, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, they've, you know, expanded on the, uh, the Warriors, the uh, Fire Emblem Warriors gameplay on it a bit. Uh, they've worked in, uh, uh, weapon durability. You know, it's like certain weapons in the main Fire Emblem games, it's like, you know, you use it so many times and then eventually it breaks. Well, they've worked that mechanic in, in a way where you have these certain special moves that you can execute by holding the R button and hitting like one of the face buttons. And when you do one of those moves, it uses up like a certain amount of that weapon's health. And I think if you get to zero, the weapon breaks and you have to use gauntlets. I think that's what happens. Because that happened to me when I was playing the demo. I had used uh, used all of Edelgard's uh, special moves or special weapon durability moves or whatever. And then... Um, and then she was running around with, with uh, like some iron gauntlets or whatever, and fighting that way. And I was thinking, no, wait, did I did I misequip something before the battle, or did she actually have her weapon break on her? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a neat way to do weapon durability. You know, you have to be mindful of it. Um, I think after a weapon breaks, you need to repair it at the blacksmith in the game. And that's actually another um, another thing that this game does differently from a lot of the uh, the Warriors games. Uh, maybe save for Warriors All-Stars on PS4. That's the only one that immediately comes to mind. Um, maybe Warriors Orochi 3. But uh, basically they give you like a hub camp, if you will, where you have all these different uh, 
you know, all these different uh, uh, features integrated into like different areas of the camp. You know, you can raise your characters' levels at the uh, at the training grounds, and um, and like with three houses, you can uh, go to the uh, recreational area and make dinner for two of your friends <laughs> in order to uh, to build up your bonds with them. And uh, like with the first uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, you also have the uh, like the uh, bond conversations, you know, the special conversations when your uh, relationship gets to a certain level. So that's interesting. I mean, they've, they've basically just gone nuts with this. It's like they have worked in so much of what made Three Houses so good and stuck it into a Musou game. It's like basically, in a way, it's like almost swapping out the strategy RPG uh, elements for, or the strategy RPG gameplay, rather, I should say, for the Musou style of gameplay, which does have some elements of strategy and, you know, telling your troops to go here and go there. And, of course, you have the weapon triangle from the uh, main Fire Emblem games as well. I mean, it's just, they have done so much with this. It's such an elaborate Musou game that, you know, it just... It's hard not to get sucked into it completely. And I've spent a lot of time with it already. And I'm looking forward to spending even more with it. Yes, I said that line too. <laughs> but, um, you know, so far it's been really good. Um, the story is definitely a lot more elaborate than the uh, first Fire Emblem Warriors game, which was the typical, oh, portals happen, characters from other worlds are coming through, and, oh, we're going to fight, and then we're going to be friends, and then you beat a baddie at the end, and it's just, you know, basically the uh, standard uh, crossover warriors storyline. But this one, you know, it feels like an, uh, well, I guess it is an alternate take on the events of Three Houses. Um, and... That's both a blessing and a curse because, I mean, Three Houses, you know, was a very, you know, a very well thought out, you know, game, well thought out story. Uh, unfortunately, the way it's kind of worked the story elements into this game can sometimes feel a little bit convoluted, maybe. Um, you know, you'll be, have references to you know, all these different, like, lords and, you know, kings and stuff like that that you don't ever seem to see on screen, but you can either read about them in, like, some of the uh, documents that you find at, in the camp site or whatever uh, in the main game, or I guess they talked about them in the first three houses and you just had to pay attention. It's like, there's a lot of Fire Emblem politics in this game, and if you are coming into it without an extensive knowledge of three houses, there are going to be some times where it's like, who is that? And why should I care? Why? I mean, they're talking, they're talking about this guy that I've never heard of. He's not represented in the game. I don't think he even has a character model in the game. And, uh, they're still talking about them. Like, Oh, we should know exactly who they're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's some, some stuff like that. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's a bit of a page turner. I got to say, it, it is a page turner, even if it does get a little bit long-winded when it comes to the uh, fantasy world politics. But um, 
And uh, last thing I'll mention about it is that uh, because Koei Tecmo handled part of the development for um, for Three Houses, it's no surprise that they practically nailed the visual look of Three Houses in Three Hopes as well. It, it does look really, really good. And uh, performance-wise, it runs uh, reasonably well, too. A few stutters here and there. Uh, but overall, I think it's around 30 frames per second or so. Uh, it looks, or may, it could be more than that. I now that I think about it, I'm like it's been a few days since I checked it out. But I want to say it's closer to thirty than sixty, if I had to guess. But either way, it does run reasonably well. I had no major issues with it. Uh, it does get really, really busy sometimes when you're in those in the heat of battle and you have to direct troops here and there and whatnot. But um. But yeah, overall, I'm having a ball with it. Uh, it's reviewing very well. Lots of uh, eights and nines, uh, maybe a ten here and there. But um, yeah, if you uh, like the Warriors games, if you like the first Fire Emblem Warriors or the Hyrule Warriors games, uh, definitely consider checking this one out, especially if you like Three Houses. This is just a perfect companion game for it. And it really works well. Uh, next up in new releases is Sonic Origins, which brings Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, and Knuckles, and uh, Sonic CD to modern consoles for 40 bucks. And uh, apparently there have been some glitches with it that apparently weren't in the build that the developers sent to Sega. It's like apparently one developer flipped out on Twitter or something about it. And apparently Sega had messed something up between when they sent it to Sega and when Sega published the game. And um, so, yeah, apparently Sega messed up their own product in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure exactly what the uh, what the glitches was or were. But, um, you know, uh, basically these games have been uh, kind of rebuilt from the ground up, I guess, by... Uh, headcanon and various other uh, indie Sonic developers. Um, I know headcanon... I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head. Um, But uh, basically, you know, these games were remade for modern cell phones. And this is basically kind of like a continuation of that, that approach to uh, remaking the games. Except now it's on... uh, Switch and I think other consoles as well. And, um, I mean, generally speaking, these are going to be good games no matter what. Um, but, you know, some of the issues are apparently frustrating to some people. And also, that price tag is rather high for just four games. It's like I was looking at Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection on the PS3. Um, had that in my library and I looked at it and sure enough Sonic 3 is on there as is Sonic and Knuckles and it's like now why would I really want to pay $40 for these 4 slash 5 games that basically it's like Sonic 3 and Knuckles are integrated into one like you have the uh, the cartridge locking mechanism for Sonic and Knuckles so basically they took that approach with it but basically you're paying 40 bucks for these you know, five games 
versus you know going on Amazon and buying the uh, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection on a classic console and getting those four games plus thirty something others, forty something others, for like twenty bucks or so. Yeah. And of course, there's also the uh, Sega Genesis collection on on the Switch and PS4, I think. And that has Sonic One and Two with, uh, you know, along with like uh, thirty other Sonic titles, or Sega Sega titles from the uh, Genesis era. So I mean, it's like basically, I mean, you know, aside from a, a few issues, this is, you know, it, this is worth checking out. But don't expect it to be a uh, a good bang for your buck. It definitely seems like uh, they could have. Uh, up the uh, the value of it a bit. And of course, they have some extra DLC on top of it for like five bucks extra, and it's just... It's frustrating. This this seems like it should have been like a $29.99 uh, dollar game. And uh, instead, it ends up being about 45 bucks with the extra DLC, which adds a few things like moving menus or something like that. It's just like, why the hell would you pay extra for that? Uh, anywho... Moving on to a better collection, I guess you could say. I mean, it's it's hard because these are, you know, the Sonic Origins games, you know, I mean, they're iconic. But uh, as far as collections actually doing uh, the games right, there is the Capcom Fighting Collection, which just recently came out. And this bad boy includes five different versions of Darkstalkers, one, two, and three. Um... Don't ask me to keep them in order. There's like vampires, savior, and stuff like that. I, I have no idea. I can't keep them all straight. Uh, but basically, like the five main versions of Dark Stalkers one, two, and three in their various forms. Um, Hyper Street Fighter two, the anniversary edition, which was released back on the PS two and the original Xbox. And uh, unlike that release, this does not include the uh, the anime movie in censored form along with it, which that's disappointing, but uh, hey, you can probably get it cheap on Blu-ray or something. Uh, as well as Red Earth, which I think was called Warzard or something like that. Um, Cyberbots, which is another underappreciated Capcom fighting game. Uh, gem Fighter slash Pocket Fighter, which was the uh, super deformed uh, gem-based uh, 2D fighting game. Uh, neat game, I must say. Haven't played it since the uh, Anniversary Collection, the Street Fighter Alpha Anniversary Collection, I believe it was. Good game. And last but certainly not least, and a uh, huge, fa- uh, huge favorite in my household... That being a uh, a classic known as Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, which is the only non-fighting game in this compilation. It's a fighting game, sort of, because it basically integrates or integrates the um, the fighting appearance and presentation of you know Street Fighter Alpha with you know, gem building and shattering puzzle game elements like Tetris and Bust Move and stuff like that. And it is really, really good. It holds up very, very well, I must say. And this, um, 
this collection has uh, some pre-order bonus DLC. And, of course, it's already out. But uh, the way they did the uh, bonus DLC, which is some extra music tracks, the Cap Jams, I think it was, remixes of some songs and uh, some extra artwork for the gallery. Uh, But anyways, the way they do that is that the DLC is a code printed on an insert that comes in the case. So if you pick up a launch copy, you'll probably get the DLC with it as well. And what I've played of these games, I haven't played all of them yet, but everything just runs beautifully. You have all sorts of uh, different filters that you can apply to it if you want to give it like a a Game Boy Color-esque screen to it. You know, like the CRT effect. You know, various LCD and CRT effects. You have that in there. Everything looks great. You can have side borders if you want. You can adjust the size of the screen. You can have, you know, I guess the perfect full screen, you know, squared you know, squared pixels. Or you can do the 4-3 aspect ratio. Or you can stretch it to widescreen. I mean, basically, however you want to do these things, you can, you can do it. <laughs> and... Um, you know, they look great. Everything runs beautifully. I haven't had any issues with it whatsoever. The emulation seems to be spot on with it. And these games are a blast. They are a fucking blast, let me tell you. Um, now, Hyper, uh, Hyper Street Fighter 2 is a little bit infamous because they built it on Super Turbo. Like the Super Turbo version where... Uh, like, the difficulty was, like, really amped up for it. <laughs> so that one's going to kick your ass if you're not playing multiplayer. And speaking multiplayer, uh, the good news is that this one has rollback netcode for online play on all the games. So, uh, yeah, that's about as good as it's going to get. And thankfully, that is a really good way of doing it. Um... And uh, one other thing of note is that you can switch between uh, the U.S. and Japanese versions of these games. And when you switch between them on the main menu, it actually changes the logo that's on the little carousel that the uh, the games are on. Not a literal carousel, just, you know, like a little turntable type thing. <laughs> uh, now, there are, I want to say it's like two versions of Darkstalkers 3 that are Japanese only. I don't think they released in America for some reason. Um, Or at the very least, not in this form. But uh, when you cycle through to them on the the main menu, it will switch the the versions of every game that you you, uh, cycle around to the Japanese versions. So if, like, you start off with the English one and you're, like, Hyper Street Fighter 2 and then you switch over to, like, Red Earth and it's still the U.S. version... And then you reach that those Japanese versions of Darkstalkers, it will switch the setting over to the Japanese version, not simply for those two games, but for every game in the collection. So you need to turn them back to the English versions if you are uh, cycling through. I mean, they should have uh, swapped that out for um, you know just defaulting it to back to English whenever you uh, cycle past those things, but they didn't. Um, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Seems like there was some other thing I was going to mention about that, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Um, oh, 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 I remember, I remember. 
one one negative is that there's only one quick save slot, not per game, but for all the games. They share one quick save slot, and that that's a little bit of a disappointment because you know sometimes you want to bounce between you know picking up where you left off in hyper you know Street Fighter Two, and then you want to switch over to you know playing Red Earth or Cyberbots or whatever, and you want to you know save where you left off in one and go back to the other. Uh, yeah, you only have one option, you know, one save slot split across 10 games. So you have to pick and choose what you're going to save. And uh, that that's the only other negative I've really had with this collection. And I mean, that's, those are just small things. This is, this is a really well done collection. I'm very happy with everything that's been included with it. Um, And also one, one uh, last little side note is that, the announcer for the main menus and, you know, oh, uh, Cyberbots, Metal Combat or whatever. Uh, <laughs> the the voice of the announcer is the guy that does the Honest Trailers voices on YouTube. You know, the uh, the parody videos of, uh, of all these different franchises and movies and whatnot. So you're going to hear that voice and you're going to be like, hey, it's that, it's that guy from YouTube. And it's like, yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh, that was a neat touch. But yeah, that's uh that's a great collection. I'm very happy with it. If you love fighting games, absolutely pick that one up. Uh moving on, you have I guess it's like a visual novel meets like a point and click type game, I guess. That being AI the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. And uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, the first um, AI, the Somnium Files game is on sale for like 80% off. I think it's down to like $8 on the Switch eShop. So if you missed out on that one, uh, that's a good price to grab it at. Um, but basically, this has gotten a physical release on PS4, Switch, and Xbox One, I want to say. Or maybe Series X. Or maybe just Xbox in general. Um, and, um, physical version is 60 bucks, but you can also get a uh, collector's edition. Well, you can try to get a collector's edition, uh, that is $120 and includes an anime figure from a uh, good smile company of one of the characters in the game. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see. Let's see. Uh, like an art book. A uh, soundtrack CD and is all housed in a really neat collector's box. But apparently uh, some issues with pre-orders getting canceled has happened. I'm not sure what the deal is with Amazon, if they just ran out of copies or what. Uh, this seems like it might have been way more popular than um, than Spike Chunsoft was thinking it was going to be. And um, as a result, this is like one of those hard-to-find limited editions so, uh, yeah, you might want to keep an eye on, like, Wario64 on Twitter, see if he uh, tweets something about it, because I know the Xbox version was in stock on Amazon earlier. And I don't think it probably lasted very long. But um, apparently the uh, uh, the reviews for this have been very solid as well. Apparently it's a uh, another excellent visual novel on Switch. 
Well, geez, what is it with Amazons and with Amazon and pre-horse? Uh, this next title is out now for most places, but some people have been having issues getting it, like yours truly. Uh, that being Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. And uh, this is like a... I'm guessing it's like a remake of the first game? Or a remaster or something like that. I don't know that it's a full-on continuation, but maybe it is. I'm not well-versed in the Pocky and Rocky uh, cinematic universe. <laughs> but um, some people, myself included, have been having issues with not getting their Amazon pre-orders. And I mean, I pre-ordered mine back in March. And I got an email about it being delayed. And basically, I needed to go in and approve the delay, which I don't know when... They say they're going to get it. Um, as a matter of fact, I, it just seems like it's just kind of stuck in limbo. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit tricky to track down for some people like yours truly. And uh, apparently this is just an Amazon issue from what I've seen because I had uh, a Twitter friend tweet me that uh, he had picked up his copy at GameStop without any issues. So whatever is going on, Natsume, who is publishing it in the U.S., I believe, has not addressed it at all. And um, at least not from what I've seen, unless there's been something earlier today that I missed. Uh, they have basically kept their mouths shut on it, and that ain't good, dude. That ain't good. Not happy about that. I don't want to cancel it, but they got to give me something to work with. But um, let's see, moving on, we have a smaller release on the Switch, which was uh, talked about during the Nintendo Indie Showcase, or Indie World Showcase a few months back, or a few weeks back, something like that. Yeah, I swear there have been so many showcases, I can't keep them all straight. And uh, that release is Alekhead, which is like some sort of a platformer meets uh electricity type game like a, an electricity puzzle game like you can activate like electricity nodes or whatever and they'll do certain things and you need to figure out how to navigate from one side to the other or one stage to the other and um it looks really interesting it was actually one of the titles that stood out to me on the uh, uh indie world showcase because uh, it has a neat art style to it, kind of a uh, retro Game Boy-ish style, if I remember correctly. But um, that is out now. I forgot to make note of the price on that, damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a running tradition, it seems. But last and certainly not least, in this one I can even tell you how much it costs. And it's free, as long as you are a uh, Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass subscriber. That being Pokemon Snap for the Nintendo 64. And this was an iconic title when I was growing up. You know, it was, you know, I mean, back in the day, you could take your Pokemon Snap cartridge to Blockbuster and stick it in this one game slot. And there was like a printer inside and you could, you know, choose which photos that you've taken that you wanted to print out on this little sticker sheet. And you get like, uh, I guess it was uh, 16 little, little teeny tiny stickers, like four of each. 
each picture you chose. And it was just a blast. And, um, you know, it's one of these games on the N64 that actually holds up pretty well because it's not super action intensive, you know? I mean, you're basically, you know, taking pictures. And, um, you know, there's multiple paths that you can take, multiple secrets to explore, but everything is, like, on rails to a degree. So um, that made any, you know, diverging path all the more interesting and captivating. And it's actually one of my uh, one of my favorite N sixty four games. One of the ones I have so many fond memories of. And um, it seems like I played through a good portion of it a few years ago. And you know, again, it held up really well. So if you have Switch Online, uh, go ahead update that N sixty four virtual catalog, and uh, you'll have Pokemon Snap in there. And that will finally do it for new releases. Back in a moment with pickups and impressions. Wow. Man, I can really talk sometimes. (laughs) Right? Wrong button. There we go. Whew. Oh, man. Let me tell you, when you're talking for an hour and a half straight, uh, yeah, your uh, your voice is like, uh, I'm kind of kind of ready to tap out, dude. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not. You still have more to go. Ah, fuck. <laughs> well... Let's see. I'm only going to touch on a few things in pickups and impressions. Because really, do you want to hear about seven different Kinect games that I haven't even tried out yet? I mean, when was the last time I even used a Kinect? Still, when you find it for a buck, it's like, man, whatever. (laughs) Maybe one of these days I need to do a sit-down special where I just revisit the Xbox Kinect. And uh, see how some of the more noteworthy games on it actually play. Hmm. <laughs> eh, maybe I will. Maybe I will. <coughs> Excuse me. I said it before and I'll say it again. Nothing but uh, quality content. <laughs> It's time to talk about what I've picked up this last week, two weeks, three weeks. Anyways, uh, so I picked up a few noteworthy things, the first of which being Shantae and the Pirate's Curse on the Nintendo Switch. Now, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm not talking the physical version that's like $300 or $600 or however the hell much it goes for on eBay. Yeah, fuck that shit. I'm not paying it. Uh, no, I, uh, sprung for the 50% off $10 digital version. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, definitely more in my, uh, in my budget. (laughs) But, um, this was, I want to say the first modern 
Shantae game that they made. I, I want to say like the first two were. Hmm. I know the first one was on GBC, the Game Boy Color. And the second one was it on the Wii eShop? Huh. I'm going to have to look that up after the show because I'm curious. Anyways, this is the third in the five Shantae games. And as I said, the um, most difficult to find physically. At least on Switch. And um, I haven't spent a ton of time with this, but this is a... Uh, you know, a retro-style 2D platformer action game. And you take control of the genie Shantae, who does not have any of her genie powers. And, of course, I'm sure that's something to do with what happened in Game 2, which I have not gotten around to playing yet. But, um, basically, there is this legendary pirate who, in spite of the fact that he's dead, is uh, apparently going to find some way of being revived. And Shantae needs to uh, see about stopping it. So, um, that's basically about as far as I've gotten into it. But, you know, like with uh, all the Shantae games, the dialogue is snappy, the character sprites and artwork are absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, it's got that way-forward charm to it that... You know, not every modern retro 2D style game can seemingly hit. And, um, you know, uh, it's one of those things I need to uh, spend some more time with it, but it makes a great first impression. It's, you know, entertaining immediately from the get-go, you know, some Pirates Invade or something like that. And uh, everything just kind of takes off from there. And... Um, I played it late one night and then just never got back around to it. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of short impressions on that one. <laughs> and, of course, impressions on that one are uh, still an upgrade over not having any impressions at all. And, unfortunately, uh, that's exactly the case because uh, I picked up a copy of Virtua Fighter 4, the original Virtua Fighter 4, uh, for the PS2. And I uh, made the mistake of buying it at a... Uh, Second-hand store that did not have a return policy, and son of a bitch, the disc does not work on it. I started scrutinizing it when I got home, and I looked at it very carefully under uh, under some good lighting, because I, I mean, the store was just kind of okay lighting, but not enough to really notice some major imperfection with it. And I look, and sure enough, there's like a ding on the label that kind of caused like a little bubble to form on the uh, information side, and it's not doing much of anything besides, you know, loading past the PS2 logo and that it just stutters and locks up. So that's frustrating as shit. Fortunately, I do have Virtua Fighter 4 Evolution, which expanded on that one greatly, but it was just one of those things where I just kind of picked it up for completionist's sake and uh, ended up getting fucked over on it. Gotta love it. But, uh, yeah. Screw it. Disc-only copies on eBay are five bucks. Fuck it. It's an easy fix. <sighs> but moving on, there was a uh, sale on the physical version of Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, which is a remake of the first DS-era game, if I remember correctly. And um, the general rule of thumb is that if Pokemon stuff goes on sale, you buy Pokemon stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> because generally speaking, they only seem to appreciate in value. And uh, this was on sale for 30 bucks at Best Buy for, I want to say it was like a week or so, maybe a week and a half. And I don't think it's on sale now. I bought it about a week or two ago. And um, basically, uh, you know, the brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl games, it's like I, I've got them on a really, really good sale digitally around Black Friday. It's like they had both of them for 70 bucks, I think it was. It was like an insanely good deal on the digital versions of them. And um, I jumped on it, and what I've played of those games is just wonderful. I mean, they're they're great remakes. And um, you know, I I I prefer to have you know the physical copy instead because you know I've gotten burned by digital games on online services. You know, service goes down. Like, uh, hey, take a look at the Wii e sh- or the Wii shop, Wii store, whatever you call it, and. Um, Try to re-download some of the software you bought on your original Wii. Good luck. It's been down for over a month. Or is it two months? Or three months? Yeah, long story short, they uh, quietly sunsetted the thing. And uh, now you can't download shit. And this is why people obsess on physical games. Every, uh, every other medium. Movies, TV shows, music. You know, going digital with it, not that big of an issue. But this is why games just have so much more problems in shaking off physical game sales entirely for digital sales. Because when, you know, something goes down, there goes that game. But, um, you know, the uh, the Pokemon games, they're always really good. And getting a physical copy on sale is definitely something that... Uh, you, d- you want to do whenever you have the opportunity because, like I said, they tend to appreciate in value, especially when they start becoming rare. And the last thing I will talk about on my pickups this week is in spite of how much I cringe and roll my eyes and freak out when, when I'm watching a live stream of a game showcase, um, well, uh, I, uh, I, I ended up I really did end up buying Grand Theft Auto the Trilogy Definitive Edition on Switch. And um, it's like there's certain franchises where I will tolerate an extreme level of violence with it. You know, just because it's synonymous with it or it ha- it plays some sort of a pivotal role in gaming growing as a medium... Unfortunately, sometimes growing more violent as a medium. But, you know, Grand Theft Auto, Resident Evil, Doom, Mortal Kombat, stuff like that. You know, they'll get a pass for the violence because they were trailblazers, you know? And these three games in particular, the uh, the trilogy that includes Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas, these are iconic games and absolute classics. I mean, I've played... Uh, GTA 3. Oh god, I can't even tell you how many hours I played on played in that. That was like one of the That was like one of the major open world games, like the one of the first major open world games since like Ocarina of Time or maybe Driver 2. Uh where I mean, you just had I mean, you could just 
go practically anywhere. And that sense of freedom in a game was, at that point, so unusual. And it was freeing, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, so it was worth revisiting the collection. And they, these things have gotten some significant patchwork since the uh, rocky launch. <laughs> and that's uh, putting it mildly. Um, but... Uh, so basically, I've only done a few missions in GTA 3. I haven't started Vice City yet. I haven't messed around with San Andreas. Uh, Vice City is a download, I believe. And I want to say GTA 3 and San Andreas, or at the very least part of San Andreas, are on the card. Uh, you have to have the uh, the game card in to play all three of them, regardless as to how you download them. So... Um, well, I suppose there's only one way to download them, but you know what I mean. But um, so basically, the uh, the gameplay with it, they've made some modifications because you know, game controls, you know, in a 3D game have gotten a lot better since the PS2 era. You know, and um, you have you know a more modern system for aiming. I think more comparable to what you saw in San Andreas want to say and um basically it's like i mean the games themselves it's like they play just almost exactly like you remember them <laughs> and um they look they look better to a certain degree i mean the resolution is obviously going to be a lot better but the way they did the ai character models and stuff or the ai um restoration i guess it was something like that but the character models looked a little bit weird at times. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's still Grand Theft Auto 3 at its core. And, you know, it's it's a neat trip down memory lane, even if there are still some graphical issues. I know there was, like, one section where I was, like, in a car and it was raining and I was looking over the water of the bay. And there was, like, this flickering down in the uh, bottom right corner where it kind of looked like like the corner of a square if you cut a circle out in the middle of it. And, um, I mean, it was like a flicker issue like that. And, you know, like a like this one line along the bottom of the screen that kind of flickers from time to time when you're driving. Or walking around or whatever. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of issues still with the collection. But at its core, it's still Grand Theft Auto 3. And it's, it's a classic for a reason. And, um... You know, I'm enjoying revisiting it because it's been how many years? Probably 15 years or so since the last time I played Grand Theft Auto 3 for any significant amount of time. Probably the, uh, good God, maybe the uh, Xbox release back around, when was that, 2005? 2004, 2005, something like that, when they did the Grand Theft Auto double pack. And that was like a big deal back then. It's like, oh my god, Grand Theft Auto is no longer on PlayStation 2 exclusively. <laughs> I hope you uh, like clumsier controls. <laughs> but, um, you know, the games hold up really well. Or at the very least, the game I've played so far has held up really well. And it's, it's neat to, uh, to hit the streets of Liberty City again for a change. Because it's been... Like I said, 15-ish years, if not more, since the last time I played it. 
and almost everything is exactly as I remembered. Good stuff. Uh, they still have some work to do as far as getting it to where it really needs to be, but uh, overall, can't complain too much. I've been very happy with it. Well, that will do it for pickups and impressions, and that will also do it for episode 18 of FOMO's a Mofo. I'd like to thank you for listening, and please be sure to subscribe to the show on Spreaker, at the very least, if you want to listen live and get notifications as to when the show goes live, uh, as well as uh, subscribing on popular podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Deezer, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, and GeoSavan. And if you get a moment, please drop the show a uh, preferably five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because it helps out with the visibility and the metrics for the show. And I also greatly appreciate it. You can follow the show on Twitter at FOMOZAMOFO and keep up with all the video game news that I uh, keep my ear to the ground on. And uh, you can also follow my personal account at BlueSwim and get subjected to uh, wrestling gifts and uh, cat memes, you know. (laughs) Well, that will do it for the show. Have a great week, everybody. Happy collecting, everyone, and peace. I know the world has been fucking crazy, so we really, really fucking need peace. Peace. And that, my friends, is a podcast. Man, that was a pretty good one, too. Well, of course, they're all pretty good. I'm just a little biased. (laughs) Well, now, I guess that will do it for the live stream as well. If you were hanging around with me, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I will hopefully uh, not go another three weeks between podcasts. (laughs) and um, at this pace I will see you sometime after the uh, 4th of July maybe uh, first week of July I guess so um, until then have a happy and safe safe 4th of July Uh, remember do not do anything with bottle rockets I'm I'm warning you you might lose a digit and you won't have a reason to listen to the podcast yeah, uh, definitely uh, try to try to keep the uh, fun with fireworks to uh, just maybe like fountains and sparklers and stuff like that. Leave the uh, really uh, dangerous stuff to the professionals. And um, until then, everybody, I hope you have a great week, and I will see you maybe around next weekend, or maybe on. Uh, Tuesday? I don't know. I I always hesitate to say exactly when it's going to be, because if I get thwomped with a migraine, it just fucks up my schedule completely. (laughs) Or I get busy, or I get 
you know, get other stuff I have to do. And uh, sometimes I just don't have the time to sit down and put together a show. But regardless, have a great week, everybody. And I will talk to you in just a few days. Take care.